This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And good morning, beautiful people. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Saturday morning. Appreciate you listening in to Under the Dome with CD on Southwest Louisiana's reigning, defending, undisputed sports talk station. The game, 103.7 Live, you had a 1041 Lake Charles. However you're doing so, be it through the free mobile app, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, Amazon. Smart speakers, just tell your Alexa to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Thank goodness my phone or my laptop didn't trigger when I said that. But you can go ahead and tell your smart speaker to do that right now. Or, better yet, through the towers of power that are 1037 in Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles on that FM dial. And I'm in a damn good mood. First off, you've got the Houston Astros snapping that 14-game win streak last night against the Seattle Mariners. I know Hannah Five Knees probably crying a tear in her beer or, or a cup of coffee, I guess, at 9 o'clock in the morning. Don't know what's going on with her. But more importantly, it's a Saturday. We're getting that much closer to college football season. I had a conversation with somebody in the office Friday and said about a few short weeks away, and we're getting that much closer to having football in our lives every single week. Hear, hear that phrase right. We are that much closer, and it feels like it's just flown by. Maybe it's the fact that I'm getting older and time seems to fly by a lot faster as you get older. But when I see that we are about 50 days away from the start of football season, and I'm talking about college football season, games that actually matter, not preseason games. We're talking about straight-up games that actually matter, that wins and losses are recorded. And we're right there on the cusp. So it's got me in a really good mood, but it's also got me a little bit fired up because honestly, the NCAA continues to do some ridiculous stuff. And they're starting to enter even more dangerous waters than they normally do. If you listen to this show, you know I usually kind of push hard on one NCAA. I definitely push hard against certain commissioners. Looking at you, Rob Manfred. We'll save you for later in the show. Trust me, Jack. And, obviously, Roger Goodell. But then again, everybody kind of gives Roger Goodell all kinds of hell. I'd probably give Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, a little bit of hell as well. But, you know, I don't follow hockey nearly as much. And also, he's done a pretty solid job kind of riding the ship after the multiple lockouts that league has had over the last 20 years. So, NCAA, you're in my crosshairs once again 
And it's because of something that you are wanting to do. You've proposed earlier this week. So we're going to get down to brass tacks right now and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. It feels like every single year there's something, and it's just something the NCAA loves to do, is continue to dive further into the deep end of some dangerous waters. And what do I mean by dangerous waters? And I think it's, to a certain extent, it's the amateurism, quote-unquote, of college football, of college athletics, and taking that away and making it more of a... NFL light, if you will. And we're still moving forward in that direction. There's no doubt about it. Based off of everything that we're seeing right here, right now, in the year of our Lord, 2022, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that is indeed what's happening. Feels like every year we get something new. With the transfer portal, all the changes that are going on, especially with the SEC, the expansion, NIL, And the potential mega conferences. Hell, I think Brian Kelly talked about it earlier this week during SEC media days. So, with all that going on, it's all looming pretty large right now. The NCAA is getting closer and closer to that iceberg. The NCAA is like Titanic, and they're going to hit that eventually. But here's the thing. There's a lot more to it. Now, for those who haven't paid attention to what's going on lately, the NCAA's Division I Council decide to have some proposals. Throw those out there for one reason or another. Now, for those who haven't paid attention, I'll go ahead and recap it. Because obviously, it's a lot of words, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of proposals being thrown around. It's a lot like how legislation goes in Congress or whatnot. Hey, we're not going to get into that because this is a news talk show. This is a sports talk show. So the council proposed a few things. I'll kind of hit the big two here. Number one is controlling player movement into specific time periods and then also allowing athletes to be immediately eligible when they transfer in all situations. Nowadays, you got to have a hardship waiver to where you can jump ship freely and go from one program to the next. You only have a one-time waiver, one-time free pass. Now, if these things do indeed come to pass and we have it happen, I can tell you exactly what's going to be going down. And it's the fact that you might as well not call it the transfer portal. You might as well call it free agency, Jack, because that's exactly what it is. With the NIL there, it is 110% free agency. By all meaning of the word. Because you're letting players transfer from program to program with no restrictions. And you have a period of time you can do it. If that ain't free agency, I might as well not have a show because that sounds like every single free agency ever outside of the MLB, which has a very weird world with arbitration and all that other BS. But again, that's just the nature of their beast. It's different. But this transfer portal being proposed or this idea to modify it, it's not a bad thing in a certain sense. 
It's the fact that they have had to do this. Because you are pacifying. Not the athletes. This isn't about the student-athletes. No, no, no. This is about keeping the Power 5 conferences that are currently in shape right here, right now. The Power 5, where they stand, and making sure they're happy. Because you see the writing on the wall. USC, UCLA, they went to the Big Ten. Notre Dame, if they go to the Big Ten, I guarantee you, we will be seeing mega conferences in the next five years. Because that's the way this world is changing. This is the way the world of college football is changing. It's forever being altered as we speak. We're on the cusp of a revolution for a lot of different reasons. And the NCAA can see, somehow, some way, they can see that they are on very shaky ground. They're pretty much in Alaska on thin ice, and they can feel that thing about to crack, and they're going to fall under and freeze to death. Because football, this is what it's all about. Because football is the big money maker in college athletics. If you don't believe me, look at the numbers. You want to see how much money the SEC is making with their four-letter network deal? I guarantee you they ain't making it because of gymnastics, Jack. They're making it because of football. They're getting that football deal, and they're making football money. That's why Texas and Oklahoma jumped to the SEC. That's why USC and UCLA are jumping over to the Big Ten because they're getting more money. And if you're a business like the NCAA is, even though they act like they're not, they are. They never want to really mess what's making money. And they see what we're all seeing about the inevitable breakup. Because I think there's a chance where we see 50 teams from the Division I ranks, and it's your top 50 teams. It's your entire SEC conference, a handful of ACC guys, a Big Ten, some Big 12, and probably Oregon and Washington, all join together to make one giant 50-team conference or, or a division, and they break away in the strictly football sense. And that's kind of where we're at. Now, you wonder, what's the next move for the NCAA? Because now we have to wonder what's going to happen down the line if you're a program like a Louisiana Raging Cajuns, like a Texas State, or hell, even, let's say let's say Vandy. Because I don't think Vandy, even though Clark Lee wants to kind of put him over huge, I just am not necessarily too sold on them being in that number of a top 50 team. Basically, it's going to be the best the best. The cream of the crop will be joining this mega conference. Maybe we, we talk about that in the next few weeks because I want to have fun with that and come up with the, the hypotheticals of how a mega conference would be because I think you have, or mega league, I should say, the super league, I guess you could call it, if we're going to go ahead and steal a term from the world of s- soccer. So that's something that's going on. And I'm sitting here absolutely loving it because I've been seeing a lot of commentary. I'll go ahead and say that much. It's commentary about the future of college football. Now people are saying, oh, this is bad. It's a bad look for the for the NCAA. It's soft. The athletes these days are soft. It's tr- participation trophies and bringing all that up. 
I can completely understand where that thought process is coming from. But again, this isn't about the players in a sense. It's about keeping the big boys and gals as well pacified for a little bit. Because you've got that whole thing with the potential playoff expansion in college football. And again, it's the big money maker. It's the thing that's driving the bus. You have to keep them happy. Or at least pacify them for a little while to where you can make your expansion changes. You can do all that. And then we get to the end of the road. And the NCAA does indeed allow that top 50 team kind of setup break away and we see a new college football world open up with free agency and maybe even hypothetically a draft of some sort because I don't think recruiting is going to be a thing in the new NCAA or whatever they want to call it the D1 plus I have no idea but if we see these big-name teams, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and some of the Pac-12 break away, I think that's the direction we are going to see this league that we're kind of hypothesizing go. If you got a comment, call us up, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Usually go a little bit longer with this take, but honestly, I got – a lot more to get to in this program, namely the SEC media days. It's all over. It's all said and done. Talking season for that conference is over. Sunbelt media days will be there Tuesday and Wednesday. Don't you worry. We'll be there. But more importantly, I want to get to the SEC and give you my thoughts on where things stand at the conference of Dixie with my definitive tier list. We're going to go all 14 teams and rank them according to yours truly's tier list. And we're going to do that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. We'll also have Gentry Estes. He'll be joining the program at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about the Vanderbilt Commodores. Also, maybe a little bit of Tennessee Vols as well. Because, honestly, they had some news break as well on a Friday don't you love it? A Friday news dump. So we'll talk about that and more right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros as well as the LSU Tigers. Who is the world famous CD really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And after running roughshod through the ATL, we're taking over the 504. That's right, the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles will be in the Big Easy next week. Tuesday, July 26th and Wednesday, July 27th. Not only will you have RP3 and company out there, you also have Kevin Foote, the host of Footnotes, he'll be out there. 
enjoying himself than crunch time with Matt Miguez. James Mesh will be here inside the game studios, just like our morning producer, Hannah Five Names. But they'll be out there in New Orleans broadcasting live from Sunbelt Media Days. Keyword here is days. It used to be, you know, one day. Because you used to only have 12 teams. Now you got more. So now it's time to kind of make it a two-day event, a lot like the SEC, where it just means more. The Sun Belt is starting to realize that they mean a lot more. I think this year they're one of the more interesting conferences to keep an eye on. But they'll be broadcasting live for the Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. So make sure you tune in to the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Going to have Gentry Estes coming on in about the next eight or nine minutes. But in the meantime and in between time, I want to get into my definitive tier list when it comes to the SEC. In years past, heck, back in 2019, I actually went to Hoover, Alabama for SEC media days. And I got to fill out the preseason poll. Got to be part of the media that fills out that form and says, hey, here's who I think is going to win the West. Here's who I think is going to win the East. Here's who I think is going to win the SEC championship. All that stuff. That was a hell of a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. But this year, it's a little bit different. I'm not necessarily paying attention day to day, week to week, like I used to when I was a producer here on this fine station that is the number one sports station in all of Southwest Louisiana. Don't believe me? The ratings came out, and we are that station. So I want to do a tier list heading into this season and give you an idea of why I put certain teams in certain spots. We'll start. And if you don't know what a tier list is, go ahead and just type in tiermaker.com. You'll find out what I'm talking about. So we start off with our S tier, the best of the best, the king of kings in the SEC. And it starts and ends with one Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. As much as it pains me to say, he is, let's be honest, game recognizes game. And Alabama is the big dog in the SEC. There's no doubt about it. This will be a Nick Saban revenge tour unlike any other. Because not only are they going to try and get the bad taste out of their mouth from the loss to Georgia in the national title game, they're also going to be wanting to kind of shut up one Jimbo Fisher after all the offseason chatter and also get a little bit of vengeance from that loss. You thought 2019 was a revenge tour? I guarantee you 2022-2023 will be a revenge tour unlike any other, and Nick Saban, like Richard Pryor, is going to be saying, I ain't dead yet. You can fill in the blank on that last word there because I can't say it on the airwaves. So we go to the A tier. I think we got to put two teams in that in that part of the tier list. It's Georgia and Texas A&M. And here's the thing. Georgia has a, a range. They can be a college football playoff contender again or be a really good 10-2 program. It's a weird year for Kirby Smart and crew. Can they build off the momentum from last season, winning their first national championship in God knows how long, and also be able to kind of continue to chip away at the dynasty that is Nick Saban in Alabama? The only problem is, a lot like LSU, when they had their 
phenomenal year. In 2019, they lost a lot of players to the NFL draft. How do they respond? How do they bounce back? That's the question when it comes to Georgia. And it pains me to say this next team is in the A tier, but I think a lot of people will agree with me on this. It's the Texas A&M Aggies. And here's the thing. They have a small window to break the glass ceiling. Jimbo Fisher absolutely has a chance to be a really top-flight team in the SEC West, which is going to be a tough division this year. Don't believe me? Just wait a few minutes. I guarantee you they're in the A tier for now, but midway through the season, we could do a tier list heading into the LSU-Alabama game. I don't know if A&M is going to be in that A tier, but they have to prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt they are worthy of that. There's been years where we could think that Texas A&M could be a national championship contender. They got to prove it to me. It's a lot like some of the other programs on this list that are in the B tier. You got to show me, because you talk about all the hype you want. How do you get to this? How do you build this team up? How do you push yourself to the highest levels? That's kind of the million-dollar question all that. If you're the Texas A&M Aggies, you've got to live up to the hype to stay in that A tier. The B tier, i got four teams. Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida. And Arkansas is a team I am red hot on right now. They are a team that's going to contend. Sam Pittman, hands down, has pretty much turned a program that for years had been the laughingstock, had been the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Guardians, the Baltimore Orioles. The list goes on and on about all the law cows in the world of sports. That's what Arkansas had been, the redheaded stepchild in the world of college football. Fast forward two years, Sam Pittman's got that thing rolling. And I'm convinced they'll be there. He's turning that program around, and they'll sit consistently in that upper third of the West. Now, how do they kind of grow the next couple years? It's going to be interesting to see. The other team I got, Tennessee. They're an interesting team to see how they progress. But a lot like A&M, they have to prove to me they are worth the hype that they're getting. I'm convinced they'll get better. And they'll get into that SEC East contention sooner rather than later with Josh Heupel at the helm. But this is a year where you got to prove it to me. And this may be Billy Napier hype, but after my conversation with Nick Delatore last Saturday, if you missed it, check it out on demand right now, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just search Under the Dome with CD. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. But this may be hype, but I'm more than down with believing it after that conversation I had last week with a Florida beat writer. You know who your quarterback is, so let's ride. I think the guy that doesn't want to call himself AK-47 anymore, or a- no, AR-15, excuse me, AR-15, Anthony Robinson, now he doesn't want to call himself that, justifiably so. How is he going to work with Billy Napier? I'm interested to see how that's going to go. Do they succeed in year one and get into top two in the SEC East? I'm not necessarily sure, but they'll make more of an impact in 2022 than a lot of people are expecting. 
And then Kentucky. Will Levis is on the tip of everyone's tongue right now for Kentucky. And that's a big reason why he's on this list. A lot like Florida, they have their quarterback in the building and they know who they're going to ride with. Can he be the answer to their prayers and maybe a future star in the NFL? Kentucky is an interesting team and fits in that B tier, but is very much the bridge gap. and It's a very close C tier. And speaking of that C tier, you'll notice I haven't brought up the Fighting Tigers yet. That's because they're in here. Auburn's here. South Carolina, Ole Miss, all the stars are here. Auburn and LSU are in this tier simply because of the fact that we don't know what's going on with their quarterback situation. The old saying, if you got two quarterbacks, you got none. You got none. And South Carolina, all these, maybe the one I know the least about, but at the same time, a C tier feels about right. And the lane train, before it's all said and done, could be moving up into the B tier at the end of the season. But I'm placing them in the middle pack right here, right now. You are moving on from Matt Corral after what feels like five years. Now you've got to kind of redesign things. How, do this, how does this team look heading into 2022-2023? We'll get probably get more down the road on Ole Miss talk. But I think they're an interesting C-tier team that could move on up, not to the east side, but to a higher tier level. And then finally... We end with the D-tier, the D-listers. Vandy, Mizzou, Mississippi State. I'm sorry, Clark Lee, but the doors, in my mind, aren't a program on the rise. I'm interested to hear what our guy Gentry Estes of the Tennessean says in the next segment. We'll talk to him in a couple minutes. I'm interested to hear what he has to say. It's always kind of cool to hear perspective on certain teams you're not paying attention to on the day-to-day. Show me what they got. Remember when Eli Drinkwitz was coaching App State in a championship game and winning at Sunbelt Conference Championship after taking over for Scott Satterfield? I remember those days, but they're long gone, and it's a tough road to hoe for the Tigers up in Como. That's why they belong in the D tier. And I love Mike Leach, but I got to put him on the D tier. I just don't know what to make of this team. It's not. It's heads or tails, either way. But Mike Leach is going to be entertaining as all get out every week during the press conference. Now, does that result to wins on the field? Based off of what we've seen, not necessarily. But we'll reserve our judgment. That's the tier list. To recap, S-tier Alabama, A-tier Georgia A&M, B-tier Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, C-tier Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. And then we got in the D-tier, Bandy, Mizzou, Mississippi State. We'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live, you get on 104.1 Lake Charles. And you can win a 
brand new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand new text club to win. And all you got to do is text four simple letters to 10 digits. So make sure you just keep a mental note of this. Text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-283-8100. Obviously, don't text now. If you have a friend, pass your phone over there or just have them grab your phone. And text GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand new Apple Watch. Also, you'll have a chance to score some great prizes, including Astros tickets and so, so much more. It's The Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Enough about talk about Apple Watches and whatnot. By the way, just text GAME to 337-283-8100. For a chance to win. But enough about that. Let's get into some football talk and get into one team and one coach that made it a lot of headlines this week talking about Vandy football. We're talking about Clark Lee. And to do that, we got to go over to the game hotline right now, talk with Gentry Estes, beat writer, columnist for the Tennessee M. Gentry, how's it going? I'm good. Good to be with you. I'm doing good. First things first, were you the one person that voted Vandy? To win the SEC championship, I, I wasn't. I, I I actually didn't uh, didn't attend this okay. week in person, so I didn't I didn't even have a vote. Okay, I was just making. I want to make sure that right out the gate because that was the most interesting part of the yearly SEC media preseason poll to see where it is. But I think obviously Clark Lee was the one that made the headlines with his press conference the other day saying that they'll be the best program in the country in time. How much do you think there's some truth in that? Because it's always interesting to hear certain coaches say that. But with Vandy, we always see them kind of being that middle-of-the-road program. Where do you see them right here, right now, and can they be what Clark Lee says they can? We'll, we'll, we'll know they can't. But I, I think the... What's always interesting to me about SEC media days is you have a lot of people who who don't normally hear, uh, who cover a team and hear what a coach has to say, uh, then kind of get to cherry pick what they say. You know, they're they're exposed to it. This is the sort of Clark Lee's been saying this for a couple of years now. That that that's really nothing. He had said it at media days the year before. I, you know, sometimes a quote gets out there and it gets on social media and now everybody's talking about it. He's not, not to be, to, to be an apologist for him, but I know what he meant. He, he didn't mean that Vanderbilt's about to go win the national championship. He meant it as we're going to be the best collective program. We're going to, and that includes academics and, and things that, yeah, that's the way that, that Vanderbilt tries to sell themselves to to recruits, obviously, because I think their big selling point is is the university and the kind of education you get there. So when he says that, he's meaning it, you know, collectively from that standpoint. Uh, he says it a lot. That's that's a that's a common thing at Vanderbilt, you know. And it's funny because I keep hearing people say that, like, "Oh, that's a big headline." No, it wasn't. The, the headline from his appearance was that he named a starting quarterback, which. That one is rare to me because he didn't name one in the preseason last year with the with, with the competition of the same two guys. This year he actually did, and I've been to 
you know, you see media days every year. Coaches don't normally make a lot of news in there. That actually was news uh, to go to the podium and t- tell everyone who the starting quarterback was going to be. That, to me, stood out. But, you know, you, you can <laughs> – I, I get it. I know why everyone one kind of pounced on that quote, but it really didn't mean what everybody thought it did. That's what I was kind of thinking because it's, it's always just interesting to hear somebody kind of lean towards that. But you bring up the starting quarterback, and Clark Lee mentioned that Mike Wright, it was the, been a battle – you brought up last year as a battle between Mike Reed, Mike Wright, excuse me, and Ken Seals. Both those kind of split time in 2021. But what do you think stood out the most from Mike Wright from last year to this year to put him over the top and make sure that you've got Clark Lee saying that he is going to be the guy that's going to lead us to success in 2022? Yeah, it's a tough decision they have actually, and it goes back to Derek Mason's final year. Um. It's one of the things people really don't know about Vanderbilt. If you really haven't watched them play very much, is they're they're pretty good at quarterback. They've been pretty good at quarterback uh, for for a couple of years now, and and I think honestly, I think they have two guys that could go start at a lot of Power Five schools. Maybe not a lot of SEC schools, but a lot of Power Five schools. And I, I think Ken Seal started as a freshman, did pretty well, all things considered, with a. With a, with a makeshift offensive line ahead of him and a, a team that was about half missing with COVID by the end of the year. And I, I feel like, you know, it was pretty obvious he was going to be the starter going into last season. But you also had Mike Wright there. They're in the same class. And uh, the coaching staff, the previous coaching staff would always make a point of, of getting Mike Wright into the games, a series here or two. And, you know, you do pretty well. He's a change of pace. They're very different quarterbacks, and, and I think it kind of works at times to do that. The following year, uh, Ken Seals is the star. Neither of them transfer, number one, which is surprising. Then Ken Seals is the starter. He gets banged up. Mike Wright, it becomes kind of the guy last season, does, does pretty well. Um, I think from a leadership standpoint, these guys are both leaders of the team, but I think Mike Wright in particular – did a great job of that last season, kind of keeping things together. If you really want, like Vanderbilt opened last season with a loss to ETSU. This is this was obviously a bad football team. It's not a good team in Clark Lee's first season. They kind of it was obvious right away they lose to an FCS school in the first game pretty handily too. And, and it's clear at that point this can go real bad. You know, this is a team that needs a lot and is nowhere near where they should be in the SEC. And they were able to hold it together and actually play some respectable football down the stretch. They probably should have beaten South Carolina and Columbia. They they gave Ole Miss a much better game than I think anybody would have would have expected uh, next to last game of the the year. And and I think one of the reasons they were able to do that was some of the leadership and 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 Mike Wright had a big big part of that. And so I think going into this season, you're rewarding that. But again, the headline to me is. You know, the year before, Mike Wright didn't transfer, and this year, Ken Seals didn't transfer. You don't ever see these situations where guys are competing for like three years in college anymore. No, you never really do. Talk right now with Gentry Estes of the Tennessean. And outside of that, what are the more interesting battles that you're going to see heading into fall camp in a few weeks for the Commodores? You just need to see them get better. I, I think really the offensive line, both lines of scrimmage, is is or, or, that's the issue here? I mean, Vanderbilt, in the wake of, of the coaching transition from Derek Mason to Clark Lee, they were they were in bad shape, and th- that COVID year really hit Vanderbilt 
hard from the standpoint of guys by the end of the year just opting out. They could barely fill the team by the end of the year. And they just they were down in numbers and they 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 kind of struggled to get back. Vanderbilt's not a school that's going to sit there and take 20 transfers. They're just, that's just not not how they operate. It's not always that easy to get into Vanderbilt. So I, I think that you know you're, you're getting the numbers back, you're getting the talent back, and, and even by the standards of what you would expect from Vanderbilt as one of the weaker teams in the SEC, that they've really been far behind. And, and I think you're just looking to to, to have competition. <laughs> you say, have, is, what competitions are you watching? I'm looking to see that there are any. You know, that they have some depth in the second and third levels to really push some starters because I'm not sure that was the case much of last season. And and I will say there there's some there's it's encouraging that a lot most of their key players their top guys from last season they were able to keep them on both sides of the ball. Uh, again, they haven't had you know they've had guys leaving the program here and there, but they haven't had the rash of transfers from guys who could go probably to a bigger program and play. They haven't they haven't had a lot of that and. I think it actually did speak pretty well of the new coaching staff. They were able to retain a lot of the guys they did, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think defense should be quite a bit better uh, from what I saw this spring. Uh, you're, you've also got a coach in Clark Lee who was the D coordinator at Notre Dame, did a pretty good job for a number of years there. And, and I think his system will, will really start to make an impact this year. Um, and I think you, you, you measure your expectations, obviously, it's Vanderbilt. But I do think this team, for a lot of reasons, is going to be more competitive this year than it was last year. Gentry, I want to flip over to Tennessee for a moment because I booked you on the show on Thursday. Little did I know within 24 hours we'd have some news about Tennessee drop on a Friday. Mm -hmm. Then again, I should kind of expect this, right? As somebody who's been covering sports for a few years, I kind of need to expect some Friday news dumps to throw in somehow, some way. But the NCAA put out, their 18 level one alleged rules violations with everything that happened under former coach Jeremy Pruitt. What's the next phase for this? What hap- What do you think is going to happen to Tennessee? Did they do enough to kind of avoid getting the hammer thrown down on them? I don't think you have any idea, only because what Tennessee's done here, it's nothing new. I mean, it goes back to January 21. You kind of knew this was coming when they fired Jeremy Pruitt. But what they did, it was a it was a means to an end in order to fire Jeremy Pruitt in a lot of ways. This investigation allowed them to get out of a $12 million buyout um, and be able to, to get rid of a coach they wanted to get rid of, quite honestly. And, and I think, um, you know, when you do that and you hold a press conference that day or when that's going on and, and, and talk about how serious these violations are and basically tell on yourself, you know, you could say that's an honorable thing. Um, but you could also say you're leaving yourself completely at the mercy of the NCAA, which is never a good thing in these situations. I think we've learned now in a number of cases that the most successful strategy has been to fight, not to cooperate. Uh, the, that's the NCAA's fault right there. That, that's because they tend to punish the schools that tell on themselves, And whereas if you make them take a overworked enforcement staff and go do the work themselves, they have a hard time proving it. Tennessee cooperated, and and whereas I think that, that in yesterday's in the notice of allegations that came out yesterday, they did receive some a pat on the back, so to speak, uh, from the NCA for how they handled this. 
That that in the past has never been a guarantee of, of leniency from the NCAA. So I, I don't know. I understand why the expectation for that is there, and and I truly believe these violations are not throw the book at them kind of things. If you really look at it, you're talking about a grand total of sixty thousand dollars, which is which is <laughs> seems cute when we're talking about NIL right now, sixty thousand dollars. You know, so I, I if you're, you know, that to me is the big question here, and, and what we don't know. And it's and that's the case for some ongoing uh, situations at other schools too. Uh, some of the basketball stuff from the FBI, you know, FBI. You don't know how the NCA enforcement or infractions people are going to view it on the lens of NIL now, because the landscape has changed so much. Are they going to look back and say, "Well, okay, at the rules then uh, we should enforce it by this standard," or are they going to look at it and say? Okay, the, the the landscape has changed so much now that we're going to have to to look at this differently because everybody else kind of is right now. That to me is the big question. But again, I, I don't. Uh, Tennessee put themselves in a position where they can't really argue their own case because they came out publicly when they fired Pruitt and said how bad it was. That's that's never an ideal spot to be in when you're fighting in, uh, with the uh, the infractions committee. Not at all. Gentry, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. Yeah, you bet. Take care. All right, that was Gentry. Yes, I appreciate him coming on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Gentry underscore Estes. That's E-S-T-E-S. And we'll take a quick time out. We'll get to my fave five picks to click, and we have done it. We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, and damn, it feels good to be right. Why do I say that? Well, last weekend, it finally happened. Like, we've been doing this segment for the better part of the year. But since sports betting in terms of an app has been legalized, we've gotten close. We've hit that four or five, which if you did individual bets, you'd probably wind up doing pretty damn well. But me, I chase. I chase the big bucks. I go for those parlays. Despite the fact that you always know you're probably going to be wrong, you want to be right so bad. Well, last weekend, it finally happened your boy finally hit the magic number five for five and your boy cashed out 56 dollars and 68 cents we'll recap that real quick the atlanta braves minus 240 last weekend that cash over eight and a half red sox yankees last saturday cashed dodgers over angels cashed late night action padres diamondbacks got a little scary but cashed under seven and a half total A's Astros that cash. And I got nervous because you had the Astros up five, nothing, but it all hit your boy 
hit 56-68. I posted on social media. Like I hadn't posted my bets in a while on social media, so we're going to keep doing that. Maybe that's the lucky charm. Maybe that's the rabbit's foot there. Maybe that's the good juju there. So we're going to go ahead and put that up after the break. But this week, I'm going with the Boston Red Sox plus 120. I got to ride with them. You lost tw- you lost by 25, 28, like 29 to 5. There's no way you're losing that game. It's the Kevin Foot theory is going to be put to the ultimate test here. I think the Red Sox beat the Blue Jays today at plus 120. Yankees minus 245 against the Orioles. The Atlanta Braves minus 205 against the Los Angeles Angels. You know, I'm showing you Otani pitching. I think that'd definitely give the Braves a real good chance here. I got to go to the UFC here for a second. I don't normally do fight nights, but I'm making an exception since it's across the pond. And Patty the Batty is in the octagon. Patty Pimblett minus 245 over Jordan Levitt. I got to go with Patty the Batty. Got to root for that cat. Minus 145 for the New York Mets over the San Diego Padres later today. If all that hits, a $5 parlay gets your boy $54.83. Oh, man. I'm still like riding that high off of Saturday night. Because it's not often you hit a parlay. But when you hit a parlay like that, you feel pretty damn good about yourself. Hopefully you put down a little more than $5 last weekend and you had yourself a good-ass weekend. I know I sure did. We'll be back after this right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're talking training camp storylines in the NFL at the top of the hour. This is your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. And more importantly, it's under the dome with CD.